0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: We are finishing up our series today called Elephant in the Room. And uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we've been covering some difficult topics that are... uh, Hard to talk about, especially hard for ministers to talk about. Uh, we've talked about politics, and uh, we've talked about sex and drugs, and anger and poverty and pornography. And last week we started a discussion about racism, and um, we we decided to make that two weeks, and so take another week with that. So we're we're kind of finishing up today. Not that we could ever thoroughly treat this topic or really any of these topics could be, you know, huge. Huge, a whole year we could take with each one of these topics because there's so much to, to talk about with them. But I do want to mention if you want to find out uh, more, if, you, if you're just joining us or if you missed some of these, I want to tell you to, about our podcast. If you didn't know, go to uh, southbaychurch.us and it's pretty obvious how to, to get onto the podcast. But if you kind of scroll down a little bit, you'll see like a big microphone and it says messages. You click on that and that'll take you to be able to subscribe to our podcast uh, to find out. I heard there was a possibly a technical issue with the uh, the lesson last week um, with our, our, our laptop that does the recording. So if we don't have last week's on there, what I'll do is I'll just make a podcast-style version of of the lesson because I think it's an important conversation that, that we're having, and so we'll, we'll post that on there. So all the lessons will be on our, our, on our podcast. Also, you know, if you regularly listen to our podcast, uh, go ahead and rate it uh, uh, I, I almost said, even if, if, only if you think it's good, but just rate it however you think. <laughs> but ratings help us, it helps people find us, it helps Google find us. I don't know how all those things work, but I just know ratings help, so, so rate us on there if you would. Uh, we, we hit this, uh, as I mentioned, we talked about race last, year, last uh, week, and uh, we talked about this verse here in Philippians 2, if you're there, I'm just going to point out a couple parts of it, we don't have time to thoroughly go through it again. But it's such a helpful passage about unity. And Philippians was written really for the purpose of unifying the church in Philippi. It was a very diverse church. People at all kinds of socioeconomic levels. People from Jewish background that were a minority. People who were Greeks and Romans who were the majority. Uh, in, in general, in the first century, the, the Jews were less wealthy. They were more impoverished. But the church was started with a wealthy Jew... Uh, Lydia so you know there was just a lot in the mix there and there was two particular sisters that were having an issue Paul kind of gets to them at the end it almost feels like the whole book was written just to get these two sisters to get along with each other my guess is Paul thought okay if there's an issue with them there's probably other issues in the church and so there's a lot about unity Paul says make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, as I was reading this, something just reminded me, Uh, I keep forgetting to mention, if you are a guest, we have an awesome guest services table, and they have baked goodies for you and a free gift for you. And so, you know, if you have a guest with you every week, if you have somebody visiting with you, take them by the guest services table and see what they have for them there. So anyway, I just had to say that or I would forget again. I keep forgetting. Um, Back to, yeah, I think the thing about mind, I was like, okay, jog something in my mind. But this word for mindset, uh, as you see on the screen here, is proneo, the Greek word. Uh, The the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And it means more than just the English word mindset to us. It means a whole way of thinking, and it means uh, a thinking that is aligned with something. That's, you know, Jesus talks about having a thinking of this world or a thinking of, Uh, of heavenly thinking and Paul talks about it sinful nature versus flesh so where how are you aligning your thinking is what we talked about last week and he says in your relationships with one another this is in verse five have the same mindset in our relationships we need to think okay I need to have the same mindset as Jesus had and so we talked about that in a little bit of depth last week the key to unity amongst each other is uh, not focusing on ourselves, it says not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, and then also by focusing on Jesus. That's where we get unity, by each of us emptying ourselves and focusing on Jesus. And as I mentioned, you know, race, race can be such a div- dividing topic, and one where people talk past each other. And what, you know, I mentioned last week, as a, as a representative of the white people, uh, we... We don't get racism. Just across the board, we don't get it. And uh, a lot of times, we could, a, a white person can have a response like when you hear all these horrible things that have happened to other people and have happened through the ages, our response can be, well, I didn't do that. And why are you trying to make me feel guilty? That can be one response. Or another response can be just to feel super guilty and ashamed of being white. And neither of those is the right response. Uh, and I gave the example of if my wife and I if I, I'm talking with my wife and I went through something very difficult and very challenging and I share with her this thing that I went through and her response is, well, I didn't do that to you. Why are you trying to make me feel guilty? How am I feeling right then? I'm not feeling very loved. <laughs> I'm not feeling, but if instead she says, tell me more. Help me understand. What was it like? Uh, I still don't quite get it. Can you help me? You know, that, Then I feel validated. And so we've got to Empty ourselves in order to hear one another. Because I think our first reaction all of us is to be defensive. Our first reaction all of us is to kind of protect ourselves or, or, instead of to empty ourselves. And that's the whole idea of being like Jesus. Remember, Jesus emptied himself. It's like pouring out of something of value. So we have to consciously go, okay, I'm going to empty myself so I can hear somebody else's viewpoint. And I know, you know, even just bringing up this topic last week, I know we might have stirred some emotions in you no matter what your ethnicity is, because there's no way we can, can properly treat every experience. And we're going to hear some personal experiences today, but even with that, we can't get to everybody's viewpoint. We can't thoroughly explore what life is like for you, and, and it can stir up some emotions. And when you try to detangle something, when you try to clean something out, when you try to deal with something, a lot of times you make a bigger mess first, and that's not what we're trying to do. We, we just want to start a, a conversation that is helpful and where we really look to each other, uh, listen to each other, and we really look to Jesus. Uh, one other thing that just hit me this week, again, I'm thinking about things from a white person's standpoint because I'm white, and uh, so I was hit, hearing this podcast, and in this podcast, he, he mentioned, they were, they were having a discussion about race, and he mentioned that there, there can be dual definitions of race. And the other people on the, on the call were not white. And so he was saying, you know, if you look up race, the, the podcaster, the guy moderating was white. And he said, you know, if you look up in the dictionary, racism, it's going to have the, the definition, having an attitude of racial superiority. And so a lot of white people go, well, that's not me. I don't, I'm not, I don't have an attitude of racial superiority. But he said, with people uh, of color, with people who have experienced uh, racism, there's a different definition of racism, which has to do with systems and structures and institutions. You know, we were having a conversation uh, on Wednesday night with, with me and Calvin and Steve, and, Cal- and, and Calvin was trying to explain that it's like a system that there is no escape from. It's a system of judgment that there is no what nothing you can do. There's no you do everything that you're supposed to do, and still it's there. You know, it's it, it's a, it's a different view of race. So that's where we could talk back each. Uh, past each other sometimes because we have these different definitions. And so the, the thing is, we've got to align ourselves with Jesus. And uh, so as we talk about, as we ha- here's some individual experiences. I want to mention again, we're not going to be able to speak to every single person's uh, experience. And this, this uh, proverb can be helpful, Proverbs 14.10. It says, each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can fully share its joy. No one else is going to be able to fully understand what you've gone through if, if you've experienced racism. And nobody else is going to be able to even appreciate fully your joy. Uh, this is something that's individual. And so if we, if, we, if we get caught up with, I want everybody else to understand me, then we're, we're going to talk past each other. But if we're all caught up with, I want to understand others, I want to look to understand first and then be understood, then we'll be united. But you know who does understand? We'll talk about this before we take communion. You know who does see and who does know is God. God knows the bitterness. God knows the joy. God knows the recesses of your heart and he loves you and he wants you and he wants a relationship with you and it's so amazing. So that's where we get our strength from. So I'm going to turn it over to the panel right now. Uh, Steve Marici is going to moderate and he'll introduce them and then I'll come back with some comments after uh, we get to hear from some perspectives. Let's give it up. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know when you heard that uh, we were going to have a panel this morning and a moderator, you were probably thinking Anderson Cooper or Chris Wallace. Sorry to disappoint you on that level. But I do want to take the opportunity to uh, introduce our incredible panel to you. First and foremost, though, I do want to thank Brian Craig for the uh, awesome job he's done with our series, especially the last, this past topic, which is uh, definitely a challenging one to go after. But uh, immediately to my right, we have Fidel Martinez, uh, incredible brother in the faith. Uh, he has just been recently promoted to, and I, I wrote this down because I want to make sure I got it right, but congratulations on the promotion, to uh, regional manager of the South Bay Healthcare Group, which is an insurance provider. We have uh, Ling Chang, who's a realtor in the Palos Verdes area. And then our Dr. Calvin Johnson, who's an anesthesiologist at Cedar sinai Uh, we had a little chat in the back, I'm bigger than all of them, so I don't think we're going to be dealing with the unruliness that we've seen in some of the political debates that we've had the last few weeks. Uh, but I- if, if so, I've got backup. So uh, I do want to start, though, uh, we're going to go ahead and start out with Fidel, but I wanted to let you know what the uh, two questions are that our uh, panelists are going to be responding to this morning. The first one is, in what ways have you personally been affected in your life or upbringing dealing with cultural views on race? That's going to be the first one. The second one is how has the Bible and the teachings of Jesus helped shape your self-image, view of the culture, and your spiritual mission? So, with that, question number one, Fidel, in what ways have you personally been affected in your life or upbringing dealing with the cultural views on race?
0: Okay. Um, wow, well, I didn't expect that to be that.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I do have a timer too, so we're yeah, we're going you. to see if uh, they'll cooperate with that. I, Forgot about that. Let me get that started here.
0: Uh, Well, growing up, um, I'm an immigrant from Mexico. I was born and raised there. Um, You know, uh, poor. You know, we really have a lot of money. Uh, It's always looking at, I guess, we look at race, the American dream, uh, per se, the American Uh, lifestyle or, you know, uh, things that you could do in this country were always really appealing because we have a poor country for those who don't have education. So culturally, if I could say growing up is you know, we always saw ourselves as a lower class, a lower, you know working and we just could not amount to much. So coming up here, you know, is uh, was a a saga where uh, it begins all the way from Mexico, bus ride, getting to the border. um, And then crossing the border uh, is a whole new world in terms of we don't know what to expect, so we're we're afraid. um. It's hard? Um, Anyway, uh, sorry. you're afraid because you don't know what you're gonna do. Uh, I was 16 years old, and uh, with my with my uncle, so we jumped. Just a short part of the beginning. It's kind of a long story, but just to keep it short, we jumped onto a uh, uh, one of those um, motorhomes, right? And it's about 37 of us. Uh, all immigrants we have bags and uh, you know we start driving into the you know we don't know we're just driving we don't know what where we're going where we're at um, and as I, um, I we hear a pop so one of the tires blew so the drive pulled over and we had all belongings with us um, and they asked us to get off of it and to run into the hills so we're very afraid. We don't know, you know, what's going on. So we leave our backs behind. So all our belongings get behind, and basically they talk, they talk with them. Uh, so we go up on the hills, and we have, you know, it's February, so it's in the middle of winter pretty much. And we have to stay three uh, for three days up on the hills before they can come and try to bring us in somehow. And uh, uh, so for three days we uh, ate, uh, Oreo cookies and kool-aid, because we had no, no water.
2: You, you were 16 at that time. Yes.
0: Um, it, it's you know it's difficult to go back to it uh, emotionally. I you know I always think I'm past those things, but relieving them, it's you know just the fear you know of being in a new country. Uh, you know just you're an invader, you're an outlaw, uh, and that's just difficult you know to go back to mentally. Um, but it's uh, it's an experience that, you know, um, I, I I just can't relieve every moment. You know, I just get, try to go past it every time. You know, because it, it is difficult. You know, uh, the fear that goes from being caught, being deported, and you know, just not knowing, you know, what to expect. Uh, you know, at 16, um, at times I never really fully understood what was going on at the time. So, but that's just one portion of what happened at that time. Uh, We were up on the hills for three days, Uh, they finally got us into trunks of cars, and drove us in, and after the third try, in a trunk through San Clemente, I believe, I was in the trunk, so I didn't really know, Um, so, uh, uh, we got past it, I got to Santa Ana, where my dad was waiting for me, so, and, you know, just tired and hungry, basically, basically, so.
2: This Any closing thoughts on how that shaped your perspective on race and um, culture?
0: Well, I always thought it was, uh, you know, I just wanted to succeed. I wanted to, you know, do something better for my life and help my folks in Mexico. And, uh, you know, and it truly really has been an amazing, you know, uh, opportunity to be here. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity and how Christ has helped me to overcome all those things and really look at the opportunities that, you know, God puts in front of you, regardless of your hardships. You know, uh, you know, God's opened up so many doors, you know, in being able to, you know, just make a life for myself and my family and, you know, help out my, my parents down in Mexico, so. And God, without God, there's surely, I probably would have been bitter, uh, would have been angry, you know. I would have had probably, a, a, you know, a, a bad outlook on people that live here, you know, in this country, probably. So without God, I, I surely, because of those experiences, you know, I wouldn't have gotten past the fear and probably the anger that I felt at the time. And, you know, I, I don't know, that's all I can say. Thanks for uh, sharing
2: your thoughts. I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the uh, first question again, Ling. In what ways have you personally been affected in your life or upbringing dealing with the cultural views on race?
3: Um, thank you for letting me share today. It's um, a little nervous for me to talk about these things. Um, I came to this country from Taiwan, Republic of China, uh, 40 years ago. Um, and half of that time, I have been a disciple. So I was baptized about 19 years ago. Um, I'm very grateful that i become a Christian in this country. Um, the reason I came to this country was to be a graduate student, to go to graduate school. So the first day of my uh, graduate school, I have to register, and that was the first time in my life I realized colors is important in my identity. So I have to fill out a form saying, "I have black, eye, black eyes. No, I have brown eyes, not black eyes. And I have brown hairs. No, I have black hairs. I' kind of confused. so my, um, my register have to help me, too. So, if I was thinking if they asked me if whether I'm yellow or red, I would be confused too. <laughs> so, that was the first time I realized color is an integral part of this country uh, to identify a person. Because I come from a place that we all look the same, quote unquote, okay? <laughs> uh, look the same means in, in the color wise. Um, so that was my first impression of this identity issue. And so, of course, after that, I have a few in- encounters of jokes, uh, ethnic jokes and uh, ridiculous um, comments on things. I just, oh, it's, I'm a foreigner anyway So at that time. So I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. And um, I just want to share with you after many years, I, the most hurtful things I encountered, that was um, a year after I became a disciple, I decided, we decided to move to a pretty upscale community uh, gated and to be closer to the church and to my discipler. And so my eight-year-old daughter was pretty excited because we get to go to a very big, luxurious pool and a recreational area. So I took her one day to the pool. And so we're just ready to step down to the pool. And somewhere, I don't know where it come out, these three or four boys, young teens, I believe. And they were... Um, walking toward us and become very, like, um, jokingly, I can't even tell what they were talking about at first. And they started, then I realized they were chanting and repeatedly saying, go home, go back to where you belong. So it's kind of rhyme. So I realized, oh, this is what they were talking to us. Go home and go back to where you belong. So, and they walked toward us and have their Fingers uh, pulling their eyes toward their ears. So just mocking us. So I was like, I was shocked actually. I wasn't really realized they were talking to me. And then I looked around to see my daughter and found her face changed. And she was very happy and she changed. And then tears came down from her eyes. So I I was so... um, a little scared and a little um, ashamed. I don't know why I feel ashamed. And I feel a little, actually very uneasy. So, and I also feel very hurt that I cannot protect my daughter at that moment that she has to feel this way. So I took her home and a few weeks later, one morning when we woke up in the morning, I found my front yard, the trees, the hedges were all laced with tissue paper. Um, so it's like hanging all over. I have my gardener to take them down. Um, so I, I was trying to confront this and to explain this to my daughter. She asked me, why do they do this to us? And I, I really have never thought about that I will be facing this issue to talk to her, and that, that was the very hurtful way that I felt that, oh, my color really make a difference here, I stand out. I think, for me, I feel like, okay, I'm a foreigner, quote-unquote. I always, always, uh, even to this day, sometimes when I go to the store, I feel like I'm a foreigner, to be treated like a foreigner, it's okay, I'm really used to it, and I can be very cynical about it. No matter how many times I voted in this country, or how, no matter how many English accent correction classes I take, I will still be viewed somehow, sometime, and a foreigner, um, but Ling, to,
2: We're gonna have to go ahead and move on, but thank okay. you for sharing that. Yeah. Dr. Johnson?
4: Good morning, George. Um Uh, I'm a black man.
2: So we got Brian Craig, who's a white man, and Dr. Johnson, who's a black man.
4: That's right. Uh, I was born uh, in Muskegon, Michigan, 58 years ago. I know I look much younger. And uh, I want all the white people in the audience to take a deep breath. None of you are responsible for American slavery. And that's important to understand as an individual. A few snippets of my life third grade, walking to school with uh, my brother and sister, just walking to school, cars driving by, beer cans thrown at us, going nigger. Fast forward to high school, I was an All American basketball player, I'm on the free throw line. Sometimes we had to travel up into the uh, uh, northern part of Michigan which there aren't uh, a lot of black people there and uh, I could be shooting a free throw during the game and Kunta Kinte, nigger um, there's one incident that is very very touching to me <sighs> I, was in, I was in college playing on an all-star team. And we traveled to Taiwan. Ni hama? Yeah. And it was the first time in my life where being black was special. What do I mean by that? Well, the Taiwanese children had never seen a black person. And so they would come up and they would rub my arm look at their hand, rub my arm, look at their hand. Oh and it was like, like, and then they look with these beautiful dark eyes. And I, I could just say, that's it. I can't do anything. It doesn't come off. <laughs> but that's, I think, how the innocence that we can have through Christ. That's a great, it just taught me a lot about really uh, how we, Uh, how Christ views us. Now, you know, there are individuals who are black who are racist. There are individuals who are white who are racist. You notice I chose individuals and I have experienced racism from both of those type of individuals. Black people aren't racist, and white people aren't racist. Individuals who happen to be black or white or whatever, you know, color they may be or ethnic background they may be are racist. See, I'm married to a white woman. <laughs> now, I mean, n-
2: I... You asked me to let you know. Yeah. Woman. Okay.
4: So, you know, I catch it. From both sides. You know, it's like from black individuals and from white individuals. I can even be driving, my, riding my bicycle or running in my neighborhood today and cars drive by and call me nigger. Individuals in cars drive by. Okay? So I'll just conclude with that, uh, you know, never... 32 years ago, I wasn't even on my radar screen to marry my beautiful Irish wife. Um, but fortunately, love conquers all, and she married me. So um, in summary, I think that individuals, regardless of their background, may have bad personalities. We'll leave it at that. And it's through Christ that we can overcome those things.
2: Amen. Amen. The... Uh Taking a moment with uh, each of you here to go through our closing question. just wanted to go ahead and read through that again. The second question was, how has the Bible and the teachings of Jesus helped shape your self-image, view of culture, and your spiritual mission? Do you have anything you would like to add on that one, Fidel? Uh,
0: Well, uh, you know, without Jesus, I would have never understood, you know, that there's a place for everyone as equals. Um, you know, uh, growing up, there was always the financial situation that we've been through uh, when I was growing up, and you know, it shapes your thinking. It shapes like, well, I'm always going to be a worker. Um, I'm going to be less than others, and even within the same Mexican culture, it's all, you know, there are you know uh, prejudices that happen financially, or that happen even just because of uh, even color of skin as well. Um, but uh, without Jesus, I uh, would never understood that you can be an individual that can have many great opportunities, not just in life, but an opportunity to be with God in heaven. Uh, and it doesn't matter where you come from, or what you've experienced, or who you are, what you've done. You know, God is the God of all comfort, and God of all. Everything's possible through Him. So, you know, and first time really that truly feel accepted and loved. You know, and
2: yeah. Thank you for that, Ling
3: on that story, so my um, it's great to have a support from the church and the family that I was surrounded with, and we decided um, f- for my daughter's sake and for our own being a Christians, so we um, that was the neighborhood among all the neighbors that I have lived, I knocked the most doors so we <laughs> I knocked with my husband and my daughter, and sometimes with uh, some church friends, and to, to invite them to church and to let them know who we are. A lot of these things I, I just said, they are curious about us, they want to know about us. So I, we knocked and we knocked on doors, we invite them to church. My next door neighbor really came. Um, to church and studied Bible for quite a long time. And so I'm not saying that you know, this race issue or ethnic group issue, it's, it's easy to deal with. It's a big and wide, as Brian was saying. Mm-hmm. It's just the issue that we deal with this, we have to deal with it. I my experience to be at home Um, when we, like these children that shouting at us, they are young, I don't understand where they have all these concepts, all this hatred or and love or, I don't know, but I just assume maybe it's because they were passed on to them Um, so I would just say in home that when we speak to our kids or when we're watching TV or we're watching sport events, watch our own comments mm. on these peoples that we are watching. We, when we get excited, when we are facing conflict, we all have this undertone of um, differences of race, of colors. And we, we express it without really aware that we are influencing, influencing our children and give them this... Um, tone of, very divisive tone of uh, looking at people different from us. So I myself, I um, really trying to, uh, at that time, really think of a way to really, I know I won't be able to stop this to worry my daughter when she's growing up. So I kind of trying to Insulate her or prepare her for these uh, things that she is going to face. So a lot of Bible scriptures I uh, share with her. One of the ones that I remember still is the one everybody knows: "Do not repay evil with evil." Mm. And, and there was, and then following that was First Peter three. I think it's thirteen talking about who is going to hurt you if you're trying to do good, something like that. And, and it's the, the person, even though when you're doing good, when you suffer, it's a blessing. So it's that kind of uh, view that I'm trying to give it to her, to insulate her, that really looking into the good, the Jesus, the, what we have. We, were, we have been loved and growing up in the kingdom. So I'm so grateful that she grew up in a kingdom and became a disciple and uh, um, learning to understand different race issues. And she even go very far to South Africa. Her motivation is to study um, the impact of apartheid. So she grew up in this country and understand that issue. She taught me a lot, actually, to, to look at the race issues. And it's a huge and never-ending challenges we're going to face. But I just think all of us, particularly we are disciples of Jesus, we want to be clear-minded on how we look at these issues and how we treat others and how we teach others. On that note, Ling, we're, we're going have,
2: to have to move forward with Calvin here. Uh, Calvin, if you close us out, again, with the uh, second question, which is, how has the Bible and the teachings of Jesus helped shape your self-image, view of culture, and your spiritual mission?
4: Um, b- before, I've been a disciple 28 years. So, um, before becoming a Christian, uh, I, I got in fights, I got in uh, Altercations. I got in a lot, many different things because of um, the racism I expe- experienced. Um, as a disciple, I've learned that uh, Jesus was discriminated against. That Jesus died for our sins to give us a hope and a future. And that it's only through him that we can battle all the sins of humanity. Um... I mean, happen to be in an in a audience with a conversation and they start bad-mouthing white people. They say a picture says a says a thousand words. I say, hey, you know, here's a picture of my wife. <laughs> well. <laughs> Things get quiet and the atmosphere changes and it usually leads to a very good conversation about uh, individuals rather than a total race. Um, I'll leave you with one story here. Because I think that sometimes, I know in my life, I've experienced racism that has been really out of ignorance. Um, I, Elaine and I were traveling in San Francisco at a business meeting, and uh, uh, we left, and during, I was using a credit card, and every time I used the card, they would ask my driver's license, and so no big deal, okay. And then we were late for the plane, I used the credit card, and... Uh, I, they wanted my license, et cetera. And I said, listen, we're late for the plane. Here, here's cash. And we just left to quickly make the plane. So we got back home, and there was a uh, message from the credit card com- company call. I, I called, and they said, uh, "We've been. someone tried to buy jewelry overseas. We knew it's not your usual spending pattern. And so we wanted to notify you. Uh, so Dr. Johnson, we want you to know, we are all over this. We've got this new fraudulent system, Dr. Johnson. And uh, Dr. Johnson, we've narrowed the... Uh, people with your car down to San Francisco. And Dr. Johnson, we narrowed it down to a white female and a black male. And Dr. Johnson, don't you worry. We we are all of us. You won't have to pay for any of this, Dr. Johnson. I said, that was me. Oh, no, Dr. Johnson. This man was black. So the old me would have done everything within my power to get this young man fired. I said, you know, I said, I said, no, that was me. And it was still quiet. I go, it's okay. I go, how many black doctors do you know? None, Dr. Johnson. What do you do with that? Mm. So I proceed, I said, listen, tell me about your fraudulent system. And he was delighted to move on.
1: <laughs> but
4: I think there's malicious racism and then there's what I call ignorant or innocent racism and I think most of us myself included can fall into this type of insensitive situation and that's where I think as disciples, as a disciple as following Christ um, it has really helped me to look past what is being said but explore as to how it came about. And I think that uh, that's, as being a disciple, has really helped me to uh, really fulfill the mission of Christ, which is to help all men and women to be saved. Amen. Amen. I
2: want to uh, take this opportunity to thank my brothers and sister here for the willingness that they had to one participate in this, but I think as all of you were able to see this morning, when it comes to going back and looking back at some of the different things that they've had to contend with, um, very painful, emotionally, on a lot of different counts. Uh, one of the things I'm very grateful for, though, is the way that w- whatever their backgrounds were, is their willingness to respond to the gospel, their willingness to make Jesus Christ Lord of their lives, and ultimately what that means for them for eternity. Uh, their children, other people that they come into contact with and uh, again I just want to personally thank all three of you very much for what you have participated here in today let's please give our panel a round of applause
1: Amen. Thanks guys. Thank you very much. Uh, whoops. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm going to make a couple more comments here, and then we're going to take communion together. Is this working or not? Hello, hello. There we go. Uh, I'm going to make a couple more comments based on uh, what was shared, and uh, we'll look at a couple more scriptures, and then we'll we'll have communion. We're going to invite the panel back out to uh, lead us in prayer for communion together. But I I just really, as Steve said, I really appreciate them sharing. I I know there were things that each of them shared that will definitely stay with me. Uh, I loved when... uh, Fidel said, I, I, I found a place where we're all equal. And, uh, you know, that, just that statement, that will, will definitely stay with me. And uh, the vision that, uh, wow, Ling, just how to deal with racism in your neighborhood, uh, just that vision of her and another sister and her daughter door knocking and inviting people to church. Wow, what a spiritual way to deal with racism in your neighborhood. I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, that mindset. That's a mindset of Jesus, I'm going to look past, and, and what these people need is the Lord. And uh, and, and as well, what, what Calvin said, looking past what was said to the person behind what was said, and, and how did they end up that way. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross, as we're going to look at in a minute? Um, in Philippians, continuing on in Philippians, right after the passage we read about in Philippians 2, is a, is a passage that every parent uses and knows, but I don't think that was Paul's initial uh, use of this. Uh, but parents, we sure love it. It says, uh, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So again, the context Paul is talking about is their relationships with one another, that they be of one mind and of one heart and that they, in their mindset, align their mindset with Jesus and so when you do that, you won't have, you'll have a group of people that are so different and come from so many different places, and yet a group that's not grumbling and complaining and arguing against each other. That's hard to do in our society, to have a group of people that are from all these different places, but, they're, but they get along. And there's nobody forcing them into conformity. It's just that within themselves, they, they want to get along. He says, that shines like stars in a dark night. That is very unique in our world. That is very different That's what brings glory to God. And there is no other way that we will show God's glory more than in our relationships with one another. I mean, Jesus said, uh, John 13, 34, and 35, by this all men will know that you are my followers, that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. And in John 17, before he went to the cross, he prayed for our unity. He said, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have loved me and and have loved them and, you know, that together our unity is what will bring God glory. That's when we shine like stars, as we hold out the word of life. You know, divides can come from a lot of different other areas besides race. You know, we are different ages. We are different socioeconomic levels. Uh, You know, the young people cannot understand the old people, the the rich people cannot understand the poor people, or vice versa. We, we, we have different education levels. We have different, polit- we are, there's a political spectrum among us. And, you know, these are things that can divide us. I mean, I noticed uh, Jerry wore a, a Cubs jersey today. That might bring division in with some of you. Uh, but he did play for the Cubs, so, you know, I understand that. But, you know, we've got, the, the, the great thing is that even with all these different perspectives that when we are united and we are together that brings so much glory to god and a little bit farther the next chapter paul says all of us who are mature should have such a mindset this is philippians 3 verse 15 all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things that's that same greek word proneo that as we mature in christ we should become more and more like christ in our mindset we should become more uh, forgiving of others Uh, We should become more and more, you know, have that aligned, that mindset that's aligned with Christ, that's pushing down self, emptying self, and and putting others above ourselves. And he says, I I like that he gives us a concession. He says, if you're not there, if you think differently, your mindset isn't there, God will make it clear to you. God's going to keep working on you. But the goal is that each one of us get to that mindset. And he shares about himself being there and his own mindset. He says, I consider all this rubbish, all these things I did in the world, all these accolades I got, all of this... Uh, history that I have that I could be proud of. He says, it's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to understand Christ. I want to share in his suffering and then share in his resurrection. So I want to have this mindset that's aligned with Christ. Uh, Paul says in, in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. So we're we just here for a short time, but our citizenship is somewhere else. So even here in America, I love this country. I'm grateful for this country. Uh, there, there, there's... It's been a challenging time in our country for a while, and who knows what the future holds, but our citizenship is in heaven. I pray for our country, I pray for our president, I pray for our leaders, I pray that the United States is here for a long time, but I'm a citizen of heaven. And my kids, I want to be citizens of heaven. And, and we serve a God that's of every race, every culture, every nation. So. Wow. We're citizens of heaven, but we live here. So what do we do with these situations that we come in, up against? What do we do with situations in our country? What do we do with social issues? What do we do with things that can be so maddening? You know, uh, I, I was um, in, in preparing for this, uh, Calvin sent me a link to a, uh, the church in, Milwaukee, in, uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, they did a four-part series on racism, and I'm going to send the link out to you all over CCB. If you don't know what CCB is, just visit the Guest Services table. They'll get you set up. It's called Church Community Builder. It's the way we keep in touch with each other during the week. But I'll send you a link to it if you'd like to to watch those videos yourself. But the first uh, the first of the four, basically, the guy just goes through five hundred years of 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 racism in our country and, and history and and just all of these images and all of these things that happen. And uh, many of them I had heard before, but a lot of them I had not. And many of them. Uh, you know, I thought were more of a marginalized issue and not as, as systemic an issue as it was. But just thing after thing after thing, and I had that feeling in me like, um, you know, when you wa- I know a lot of you have probably watched The Passion of the Christ. And when, when Jesus is being whipped, and it just goes on and on and on, you know, there's just a feeling of, I can't take it anymore. That's how I felt listening to this history. I was in Starbucks, and I'm just, with my headphones on, and I just start to, I'm just crying. I'm like, what do I do? How do I deal with this? This is too much. I can't even take it. Uh, but, but Dustin's lesson the week before on anger helped me. Because he talks about it's not, it's not a sin to get angry. In fact, there's times you should get angry. But what do you do with your anger? Jesus got angry, but that anger was channeled. And who, who is the author of racism? It's Satan. It's Satan. Selfishness and sin is the issue selfishness and sin and Satan. That's what killed Jesus. Jesus was able to look past the people who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. The very people who he was about to die for are crying out for his own torture. And yet he, he, he's able to look past them. Uh, the, the, Roman soul, the, the, the Jewish leaders who, who accuse him and who turn him over to the Roman authorities, the, the Romans who, who carry out the torture and, and the execution... Uh, to all of them, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So, so in, in one sense, all of us, like, like Calvin said, are ignorant. I mean, every sinner is ignorant. And, and God forgives us and is, is able to, to let, help us to change and to see past. So with this mad, you know, these maddening situations, we've got to give it to God. God sees and God knows the injustice, and that's why the kingdom is here, and that's why Jesus died, and that's why Satan will be cast out. That's why Jesus will triumph in the end. And Jesus forgave. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, this last passage we're going to look at before uh, we, we share communion is Philippians 4. And uh, I, have, I became a disciple uh, in the teen ministry, uh, yay teen ministry, wherever you are. And um, so I got baptized in 1988, which was a very long time ago. I've been around a long time, and I've read the Bible a lot through the years, and I've probably read this passage hundreds of times. In fact, this is a passage I have memorized because it's one that I use a lot myself, because I deal with anxiety. I'm somebody who wakes up at 3 or 4 in the morning, and I'm just super anxious, and I can't go back to sleep, and I battle anxiety. So this is a, a great passage for me in battling anxiety that I quote to myself, and I, I, I recite it you know, like Jesus did when he was being tempted So I love this passage, but I've always taken it personally, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but this passage meant something totally new to me in this study that has never meant this to me before. I never saw this before. So it's really cool to be around a long time and then see something totally new in the Scriptures. And so I wanted to share this with you. And that is this, that, again, the Philippians book paul is writing about their relationships with one another right and they're having issues with their unity he's saying i want you to be united in mind and hearts your hearts and minds they've got to be united they've got to line up you got to align your hearts and minds with one another and with jesus so so think about that context when you read this let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think it could be that Paul was really talking about this within our relationships, because what causes division? Isn't it anxiety and fear? Isn't it we're afraid of of missing out ourselves or we're afraid of being misconstrued or we're afraid of things not going our way or whatever? It's anxiety and fear. So Paul says in that context, we present our request to God and the peace of God will bring us to, it's only God that gives us peace. And that is only through Christ Jesus. And because he says these words, guard your hearts and minds. That's what Paul's been talking about the whole book, is our hearts and minds being united. So it's God that brings our hearts and minds together as we bring these situations to him with thanksgiving, with that perspective. Uh, I'm going to close by reading the passage in in a different translation, and I just want you to close your eyes and and listen. Uh, As I read this passage, this is a a Christian hymn that Paul quotes when he talks about aligning our mindset with Christ. So I'm going to read this, and then uh, we will have our, our panelists pray for communion. And communion has always been meant to be something we do together. Uh, It means that we together, as one body, we share in Christ's body and blood given for us and what that means for us. So I'm going to read this. I encourage you to close your eyes and just think about what Jesus did for us. Then we'll have our prayers for communion. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself, took the form of a servant, and was born in the likeness of men. Letting himself seem a mere man, he humbled himself, took the path of obedience to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, granted him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father.
0: Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much uh, this morning for just being in your presence. Uh, uh, Just uh, knowing that you love us, Father, that you accept us for who we are, whether whether we come from uh, different ends of the world, Father, we uh, are grateful, Father, to be here. Uh, Personally, just uh, thank you for the opportunity for your son to be in the cross, that uh, he gives us that opportunity to look at how he humbled himself and just to give us an opportunity to be with you in heaven, Father, and to show us the love, the extent of the love you have for us, Father. We just thank you so much, Father, that uh, we have you as our Father, and we look forward, Father, to uh, just changing and loving uh, you and just changing everything that we need to, Father, to become more and more like your son. So much as we pray. Amen.
3: Father... Father in heaven, uh, I'm so grateful that I can be a daughter of yours, and uh, for you to set up the ultimate example of love, and love drive out all fears. I thank you for giving us these opportunities to just be able to share some of our fears with our brothers and sisters, and I. And help us to go forward and knowing you that provide all the unifying ways to bind us together. God, thank you for the teachings and the example of our brothers and sisters and their encouragement. Thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.
4: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We are so grateful that you sent your Son down to give us a hope and a future that through the sacrifice and the blood of your Son, Jesus, it covers over all of our sins. It gives us a fresh start every day. Father, please, dear God, let us always remember that. Let us cling to that. Let it be our strength, our shelter. Let it be the thing that we go out into the world with every day. Know that It's through the blood of Jesus that gives us hope, that makes us different, that we are the shining light. And God, we thank you so much. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.